Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. What's up, Vagrant Queen fans, and welcome to the Vagrant Queen After Show. Today, we have a very special guest in the house. We have the director of episode four, which is called In a Sticky Spot. We have Danishka Esther Hazy. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Nice. And... We're going to talk about the episode, go in depth. So have your questions ready in the live chat and we will get to those. Uh, and then if you're watching it later, please comment down below your thoughts on the episode. We're glad to have you here. Uh, first off, my name is Carrie Lane and I'm joined by my awesome co-host. Hi, everybody out there. It's your boy, James Maple. Welcome to yeah. episode four. I'm so excited to talk about it. Yes. And then we also have a special segment at the end, so stay tuned for that as well. Uh, James, what did you think of episode four? We're getting almost a halfway through the series kind of vibe. Yeah, you know, it's hard to believe that, like you said, we're halfway through. Like, the story's halfway over. I'm so excited. Uh, this episode I thought was great. Um, this episode, to me, um, definitely was, like, flexing, I think, people's acting ability. I feel like we got a real sense of uh, what it meant to be an actor. And I say that like from from the viewer, but also the characters themselves having to pick up some acting skills and improv skills along the way to, uh, to save the day. So um, for me, overall, I definitely dug this episode. One of my favorites for sure. So uh, kudos to you for, for uh, directing it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Of course. That, nice. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed this episode. I thought it was very exciting. We, de- we got a lot of important like one-on-one chats with different characters which was nice so they had moments to open up because you know when you're on the run and trying to sneak into republic space you can't quite have those uh, intimate conversations as well as you maybe normally could <laughs> <laughs> now um Danishka, episode four how does it feel to be part one how does it feel to be part of the show as directing this episode and then just overall how was it directing this episode Yeah, well, I mean, I'm such a big fan uh, of the story. I loved the comic and I loved the show and I was so thrilled to be invited to be part of it. And um, so I did episode three and four and, you know, in a way it's kind of bittersweet because this is my last episode for this season and I I loved shooting it so much, but but I'm also a fan. So I'll be, uh, you know, following the rest of the episodes along with everybody else. Nice. Well, it, yeah, that totally, what is it like then of kind of having episodes that bleed into each other? Because it is kind of, you know, just picks up right where it left off uh, versus if you had an opportunity where there where someone offered you, okay, do you want to do episode two and like 11? Yeah, no, it was, it was nice for, for continuity. It was, it was great for block shooting, you know, able to do all the scenes on the Winnipeg at the same time and, and you know, plan the, the story arc really carefully because uh, mm-hmm. the two episodes are so close together. Um, I guess one of the challenging things on doing a show like this is it was our first season. So, you know, everybody was, you know, and, and this was right after the first block, I was block two. So we were still kind of in a way finding our legs and, and, you know, figuring out the, the world and the, I mean, the actors were so amazing. They, they honestly came into ep one pretty fully realized, but, but I think by, you know, episode three and four, those relationships have become stronger and, and you get a sense of, of the chemistry um, between all the characters. And we will talk about some of that chemistry later. <laughs> I know the fans liked it on Twitter. I saw lots of nice little gift moments of that. Uh, we do have a question from the live chat. Barbie Evans says, what was your favorite scene in this episode and in episode three? Ah, well, in episode three, I think my favorite episode was the episode on the balcony in the loyalist camp with Decide. It was such a beautiful um set and we shot it at the end of the day when the, the the light was falling and we had natural beautiful magic hour you know we had to rush to get that scene but um it was just such an inspiring location 
Um, and then also it was, a, it was a really intimate scene and Adrian was just amazing. Adrian and Colin uh, and this little moment they have at the end of the scene were so, so great. So I, I really loved that scene. Um, I think for episode four, my favorite scene was definitely the, the big fight scene uh, in the finale. Um, yeah. It was, I was really excited when I first read that um, on the page. And the great thing, what's so fun, I guess, as a director about fight scenes is they're usually sketched out pretty bare bones on the page. Mm. So then you really get to dive in with you and your crew to, to flesh that out and bring it to life. And we had an amazing stunt team and an amazing onset um, practical effects team. So we spent a lot of time planning that sequence together and uh, I was really happy with how it turned out. Oh yeah, no, it looks fantastic. It's a nice long fight scene, which is great too. It's not just a, and punch, punch, done. It's like, <laughs> oh no, it goes on. Yeah, we spent uh, like I well, spent two or three weeks planning that sequence, and then two full days shooting just just that fight sequence. So yeah, it was a it was a pretty amazing uh, opportunity. We had a lot of fun. We blew a lot of stuff up. <laughs> you know, we had, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of pillows and couches and and cement walls, and you have to and glass windows. You have to plan those shots really carefully because you know once you blow them up we didn't have time to reset anything. So, you know, when a wall's blown up, the wall is blown up. So you have to really carefully plan your shots and, and shoot it uh, in a linear way so that you that the room you know, was getting destroyed as we shot. Uh, and that was our continuity. Yeah. Nice. Uh, speaking of planning, the episode starts off with their plan, uh, which was kind of fun and silly too of the, oh, which one are you? And then the cockroach. Uh, I like her share, uh, um, Adrian sharing that online of, oh yeah, not a fan of cockroaches. <laughs> yeah, I love the writing in that scene. Um, and Mariko, who uh, wrote this episode, she just has a really great sense of humor and the, the, the banter and, and the repartee between the characters is really fun right from the beginning uh, of the show. But then of course, you know, it goes to some really emotional places in the same episode too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed how comedic it was. We at Clive, also very funny. To R.I.P. Love Clive. Clive. Uh, You know, Keto, who played Clive, this is our second time shooting together because he was in my film Banana Splits. And I'm a really big fan of Kino. Um, he's got amazing comic timing. Mm-hmm. And he was such a trooper because the Clive costume is probably one of our most challenging in terms of prosthetics. Mm. He had to come in, what was it, at three or four in the morning um, and sit in the chair for hours and hours to get his head done and his body done and the costume and it weighed a ton. So, um, you know, he was amazing because, you know, the minute we would yell, or I would yell, you know, action, he would just bring the comedy so beautifully. But then the minute we called cut, he would basically just exhaust, like fall back in exhaustion because his suit was so heavy and he could barely breathe. So, you know, that is some amazing acting. Yeah, and you know, in addition to the, the prosthetics, it's amazing too. We were talking to Tim a couple episodes back uh, as to how the actors and you all can still exude like physical facial emotion mm-hmm. under the prosthetics. That was such an amazing feat. And I, I very rarely seen a show deliver it so well. Uh, how did you guys do like, Oh, well, make, thanks. Make those yeah. mouth, mouth movements so real. Well, our, you know, our, SN, um, our effects prosthetics team in Cape Town, um, run by Adrian is just really, really good. I mean, they they put a lot of passion and, and, and very, you know, when they designed the the characters, they uh, they brought it from a character point of view. You know, it's not just about looking interesting or, or being exotic or fun. Like they really tried to bring the characters to life with those uh, face designs and those body designs. Um, and then, you know, our cast were just really, they're so committed and they, and they really learned uh, how to, bring their character to life within the limitations of, you know, really wild prosthetics. Um, but uh, it was, we were really, really very lucky because it's it's not easy to, even like beginning to do prosthetic character work, you have to go in for a life cast, which um, can be really traumatic to anyone who's claustrophobic. You know, they basically wrap you up like a mummy and you breathe through tiny little straws for a couple hours and it's really, you know, it can be kind of horrendous. Um, so that's where you start. And then you get encased, you know, in silicone every day um, uh, and it's hot and and it's heavy. And, you know, to be able to accept all those extra burdens on your performance and still commit to your character is is always something I'm, I'm just hugely impressed with. Actors are amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the show has a lot of fun characters that still have <laughs> so much personality behind those prosthetics. Uh, their plan of going in as employees. James, what did you think of that? Of 
I mean, it makes sense of like, sure, that's a way to blend in. You know, I just, I thought it was like the perfect, like, like uh, a perfect like throwback to old Hollywood. Like, that's just what you do. You go in undercover as like the security guards. And I love too, that quick moment of Clive saying to the crews, like, you might want to uh, air those air suit, air those yeah. uh, suits out. They've been in here for, for a minute or two. Um, but I thought that was such a cute, funny way. And I love how too, uh, we almost, I, in my notes, when I was taking notes for the show, I wrote the Varsity Squad and the JV Squad. The JV <laughs> Squad being, being Irid, Dangjar, and uh, Krop, I think his name is. Krop, yeah. I love, I love how we almost have, it, it almost is like two adventures happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. The one is much smaller than the other one taking place in like the security area. But I love how putting on the security gear, we almost created two separate teams on two separate missions. So I, like, I love that overlap. Oh, I'm so glad. I, I, the moments between um, Irid and Dengar and Krob were so hilarious. Those three actors did a lot of improv and had amazing comic timing, and they really became this tight little comic unit together. And every time they would come onto set, I was just, just you know, I'd get a big smile on my face because it was so fun to watch them work. Um, I had a question of what was the location where you filmed? I mean, you see it more uh, when they are running up to the ship, it looks like a sports coliseum. <laughs> it's the Cape Town Stadium, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we took over every part of that building. So all of the utility tunnels, the back lots, uh, all like a bunch of their um, rooms and entranceways um, and redressed them. And it was so funny, of course, because we were trying to give it that kind of space airport feel. And at the time, you know, we were just making endless jokes about how much everybody hates air travel. But, you know, now the film comes out and none of us can take planes. And it's, <laughs> it's funny how it feels different. You know, it's, uh, it has a different tone that, that mm -hmm. really uh, I didn't expect, which was a surprise. No, it, it made, worked really it well. Made, it, made a, it made us uh, miss the days of being stuck in an airport for sure. I, hadn't, I never thought I would miss the days of being stuck <laughs> through airport security. But thanks to you guys, it definitely made, made me reminisce about the good old days in the past. So, <laughs> <laughs> Remember how horrible airport security is? Oh, the nostalgia. <laughs> well, that location worked out great. I loved all the different corridors and hallways. It was just one scene, too, when they rounded a corner. I'm like... That looks oddly familiar, but it's interesting too. I haven't been to the one in South Africa, but it looks, you know, the same idea as like here in Los Angeles of what stadiums look like, but it's, it still has like this sci-fi aspect because it's just that concrete and basic, you know, there's not a lot of dressing on the walls or whatnot and whatever used all that on it or they brutalist do, yeah. architecture it was actually yeah. funny because that spot that location was super busy while we were shooting yeah. there there was like three other movies lined up to shoot oh wow wrapping oh, as wow. we came in and then start shooting as soon as we left so it was a, a very busy in-demand location um actually speaking of what it looks like we got a question or comment and i guess yeah just a comment from the chat jim c says one of the things i really liked about this episode was the color schema uh, schematics uh, when it showed all the ships entering the port? I thought it was beautiful. Oh yeah, I, you know I do. I love the color scheme um, in this show. You know that was all down to Jem. She brought this idea of this really uh, hyper saturated, gorgeous, you know, gem tone <laughs> color palette. Uh, you know, which we've uh, embraced. You know, in in all of our scenes, bringing in lots of beautiful, beautiful colors and. Um, and our cinema, I mean, I mean, that shot, of course, when they're coming in is all CGI, but uh, to make it match with the rest of the world, I mean, our cinematographer, Trevor Calvertly, he's just, a, he's really a genius with color and he's able to bring in uh, colored light in, in so many ways. And half the time you don't even notice it. Like it's just, the whole world is infused with color, but, um, but he does it in a, in a really organic kind of way so that when they created the CGI to match his coloring, um, it all came together as, as one kind of universe, not ours. <laughs> Yes. Uh, then when we have the characters trying to break in and everything, um, well, right before they do, we do get our first chemistry fun moment with Alita and Ame mm. of having their heart to heart of what would you say to your mother? And Ame kind of like, no, no, let's handle this together. And she, Ame is definitely all about the teamwork. Like, no, don't go by yourself. But then you also get Alita who's like, nobody gets left behind. Yeah, you know, I love that scene they have together in the cockpit before they go onto the port. 
And I designed the lighting really carefully um, in that scene because I wanted it to feel really intimate. And when you're shooting on a spaceship, you know, the, the lighting tends to be kind of the same. You know, the, the room is lit in a certain way on the Winnipeg. But this was a, a really interesting opportunity because, of course, they're being towed behind Clive's ship, the Nautilus. And so the spirally um, exhaust from his spaceship is, is, is trailing past them in a kind of magical way. And so uh, working with Trevor, our DP, we created this kind of pulsing colored light that changes throughout the scene and is reflected on their skin. And I thought, oh, it'll just, um, it's that one of those things that kind of encourages intimacy, you know, like when you're, when you light a candle and suddenly you feel like opening up to someone. So that kind of space lighting uh, made that scene uh, really fun. And then of course, when a maid leaves and half comes in, that, that intimacy is still, is still there with the characters as well. Yeah. Uh, James, what do you think of that moment too? So Hath comes in and says, you know, fight with us. And then Alita's response is, okay, I'll do whatever my mom wants. Yeah, so um, I, I love that scene. I, I, I feel like we were treated to it th three times that I picked up on this episode, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I remember actually last week, Adrienne tweeted uh, or on Instagram, she posted and she's like, is this the episode where Ame and Alita kiss? So I knew that it was gonna be like some like, some like jam jam happen in this episode. Unfortunately, <laughs> it didn't quite happen the way we thought it was, but um, I love that scene. I, I thought it was, uh, I, I hadn't really thought about the lighting aspect of it um, that you mentioned, but like now looking back on it, it was, it definitely created that atmosphere. You really got the sense that like, this was the moment that we've been waiting for. And although it didn't happen, it was cultivated, it was there. So um, I thought it was a great little appetizer that we got. So I would, it, made, it definitely kept me on the edge of my seat, hoping hoping that the next scene would be the scene to see. Like, <laughs> you know, you did a good play on that for sure. Oh, good, good. Well, I mean, you know, um, they're just so, Adrian and Alex are so great together in those scenes and they bring so much heart. Um, so all the Amita moments, we didn't have the word Amita, of course, when we were shooting, we have it now, but uh, you know, all those moments between them as their relationship develops are, are always really quite special and really fun. Uh, speaking of that moment, we have them when they're running through the hallway after the fun moment of Ame's a hacker, but it's not instant like we think it is from the movies, <laughs> which is kind of more realistic of like, okay, it's not going to happen in two seconds. Absolutely. Uh, and then they have their, their great like physical chemistry of almost bumping into each other. Uh, we had a question in the live chat of, uh, where it is? Sorry, I'm like, yeah, I just had it. Um, someone is asking, sorry if I'm not finding where it was, but they asked, um, on Twitter, it was mentioned that the scene, oh, there it is, sorry. Um, Barbie Evans says, uh, you mentioned, uh, I'm referring, I think she's referring to you, Danishka, of, you mentioned on Twitter that Adrian and Alex wanted to redo the hallway scene. What did the other takes look like? Oh, you know, yeah, it was one of those things where, you know, um, our schedule is very tight and we're shooting very fast. And so we don't do a lot of takes. Mm. You know, maybe we do two or three takes for, for each setup. Um, and when we have it, we, we, we move on so we can get our day. So I think we've done two takes at that moment where um, this, you know, kind of meet cute moment where she uh, pushes uh, a May into mm -hmm. the corner and I thought they were really great I, I, I was happy with them and, and I thought they were lovely but um but yeah the the actresses they came up to me and they said um it's actually funny we'd already moved on so I was like we've got it we're moving on let's set up the next shot and we you know we've taken the camera and we were getting ready for another thing and, and they pulled me aside and they said you know we didn't we we don't feel like we got it we feel like we can we can do better um and I was like, oh, are you sure? Because I'm, I'm very happy. And they were like, no, no, like, give, give us another shot. We, we really, we know this is such an important moment and, and we really want to make it perfect. And I was like, okay, let's, let's do it. And so they did it. And, you know, and it's, it's like that little thing you can't really put your finger on that little magic sometimes in a performance when the actors are really in sync and they really, and they really click beautifully and they knew that it was still there and they hadn't got it and they got it. <laughs> so it was it was really just lovely and, and I saw it and I was like oh yeah okay I mean I thought the scene was already great but that is better <laughs> well done so uh so yeah and then that's the take we used and it, it was uh it was just really nice it's so it's so great to work with actors who are so committed and who and who want to make everything powerful and and who want to make sure that they've always given their best and so yeah it was uh, it was a nice moment 
Aw. Uh, actually, another question too, speaking of Ame, Adam Rodriguez says, is this show going to explore Ame's past of who she is? Yeah, there'll be some more information about uh, Ame's past, about Ame and her brother. Um, I think there's even more story there to be told than, than we're telling in this season. Um, I think uh, her story is so interesting. We did a scene in episode three where um, Ame and Isaac are walking through the abandoned mining town and they talk a bit about her childhood. And I really loved that scene. Um, they dug into it so gorgeously. And Tim has this wonderful moment with Isaac where he, he talks about missing his family on earth. Um, I would love to do more, more backstory with all of them. There are some more interesting backstory moments coming later in the season. Mm. We look forward to it. seeing the backstories is so fun. Uh, we get, um, oh, another moment too. That was a really cool, powerful moment with Hath and Alita. First, we have them on the ship of him saying, hey, join our fight. And Alita says she'll do whatever sh her mother wants, which I kind of doubt that. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and later, Hath, she's talking with him. And uh, it's kind of the, a discussion about the course of our lives. Is it what we choose or what's been chosen for us? And her nice reveal of, well, not reveal, but like confession of the thing she never really learned is to value her own life more than someone else and why some people should suffer where other people benefit. Yeah, you know, that's such an important key to this show. Um, I, I, it was actually one of the, the things that first attracted me to the whole story in Mags Visaggio's comic book. Um, you know, it, she does such a great job in, in writing that graphic novel and in, in turning our expectations upside down because we're so used to these stories of like a special chosen one who goes on a journey and they're so magical and everybody, you know, um, supports them and they become this great figure. And I absolutely loved that, you know, the, that the character of Alita is not interested in that at all. <laughs> she is not down with the concept of monarchy. She doesn't want to rule other people. She wants to be left alone. And to me, I thought that was just so fantastic because I was like, are we really going to be telling a story that says monarchy's great? <laughs> but we're not. So, uh, so it's, it's, it's kind of cool. And it's, uh, it's, you know, it's very sly, smart writing that, and that comes right from the original story. Nice. And James, what do you think of those different moments between Alita and Hath? You know, I um for for I think in the first few episodes, I always got the sense that Hath was Alita's dad for some reason. He has a very like patriarchal role in her life. Uh, I'm real. I'm, I think we're realizing that may not necessarily be the case. At least now, I think um, it is interesting to see him as that figure, but in her current life now because it's so starkly different from who she who he knew her to be back then. Um, and I think it's, it, it creates a dilemma for him because he wants to her, he almost wants her to continue this matriculation that he's bestowed upon her. But she's like, she's like, I think she referred back to it in a, in a, in a sense in this episode where he had to correct himself and call her Alia. And she was like, oh, I was 17 when I did that. And it's like, yeah, you don't, you don't know me now. You know, I, I made that decision for myself. Like this was one of the first decisions that I made. Like, okay, it's very close to my original name, but this is, <laughs> this is my new, this is my new identity. And I think he's having an issue with her womanhood now and, and not being this like, you know, young, young princess or queen. Um, and I think that um, it's starting to affect their relationship because she's, she's, she's creating her own kingdom or, or her own queendom, excuse me, how could I? Her own queendom with her circle of friends, you know, her, her Isaac and her Ame. And, to, and I think it, it, it's becoming an issue. And when he bought. And when he bought, of course. <laughs> I can't say about the newest homie to join the crew when he bought. Um, but I Who think can't that read it, the room. I know, yeah. But Winniebot has has the power to whisper. I, I thought that was a cute little uh, a cute little jab in there in this episode. But yeah, I think that um, I think that Hath is going to have an issue with 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 um, Alita's choice choices moving forward. And we got a little sense of it today. I think there were at least two times that I can recall a Hath almost telling. Alita to leave Isaac behind. Mm -hmm. um, there was a moment where Isaac fell from the floor, from one yeah. floor to the other, and he says something. I think he says he's gone or something like that. And it's like, well, we don't, we don't know he's gone. Like, can we, can we check first? And there was, uh, 
like let's make sure he's not breathing can we just peer over the no um, and and isaac a, are not good buddies yeah <laughs> yeah i just got a sense that he's very much trying to impose what he knew her to be onto who she is now and i don't think that's in her mo whatsoever mm -hmm. yeah and that scene in the stairwell you know where he really thinks that she should be sacrificing Isaac, you know, for the better cause and that, that, that Isaac and Amay aren't important, you know, that, that the monarchy is important, her mother's important, but they are disposable. Um, and she is just like, has no interest in, in that, you know, worldview, which is, which is so great. And, and what makes her such a wonderful character, she's under all this pressure to become something she doesn't want to become. And a lesser person would probably be very tempted by, the, you know, the power and the status and, you know, that, that kind of hierarchy that makes other people, little people and, and makes her elevated. And she has no interest in that at all, which is why she, I think she's a lovable character. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Isaac, poor Isaac and a uh, goofball that he is that we love. Uh, yeah. Falls <laughs> through the floor, gets kidnapped, <laughs> taken in by Lazaro and his goons. Which also, um, I, I liked earlier, Denisha, you were mentioning, uh, you know, the monarchy. I like the moment with Lazaro when he's on the call with the Admiral and he's pretty much getting his last warning. And they said, like, we, uh, this is not the new world, essentially, that they've created. So there has to be, you know, steps and rules followed, which I kind of was like, yay. <laughs> but... <laughs> It's hard because they're not, nobody's really the good, good guy in this situation per se. Uh, but I like that those moments are sprinkled in there. Um, so I yeah. don't know if you have comments. I loved that. The, uh, that the scene between Isaac and Lazaro um, is great. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's, I love it when they meet and, you know, he, and Lazaro waltzes in the famous Isaac Stelling. Um, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, there's all these like crazy little details in shooting a scene like that. You know, we had to tie Tim to a chair and throw him onto a floor while he's tied to a chair. <laughs> you know, like, it was such a great sport about it. <laughs> I think I was more worried than him. I was like, you know, there with the stunt people, like, is he going to be okay? Is he going to be okay? <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, but, uh, but it, you know, it was uh, an interesting moment, um, that conflict between them and seeing uh, how that's going to reflect. I think it'll have repercussions later on, you know, this whole fight between the monarchists and the revolutionaries and, and what kind of world they're going to create in this universe. Oh, yes. And I definitely think I'll save it for predictions, but there's a thing that I will ask you, James, about okay. what you thought from a moment, because there was a reaction that I'm like, hmm. Um, so they do it. They're able to rescue him, which is great. And, but along the way, uh, that pretty much leads us to our shootout. And I thought it was super cool when Irid gets the power suit. Yeah, uh, Mecha Irid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I loved it. I like that she notices it earlier, like, oh, wow, this is a lot of, you know, uh, firepower going on. And then she goes, all right, I know what to do. Because before, let's be honest, she was not exactly the most helpful in the group. So this really was like, yes, but um, no body, no proof. So I'm a little suspect that she's gone, gone. Fingers crossed. You know, like, <laughs> God, we kill so many characters. Um, it'll be, be interesting to see, you know, uh, how the writers uh, approach future stories. I hope, I hope we get to see a lot of mm. these characters again. Mm, the yes. tease, the tease. <laughs> like, mm. uh, you know, James, um, oh, go ahead. No, uh, in that scene, um, with with right in the whole airport scene, I couldn't help but notice that there was a character in there that I wanted to ask you about, Danishka. Um, there's a, the 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 shorter fellow who accepts. Mm -hmm. You know where I'm going, Carrie. You know where <laughs> yep. I'm going, Carrie. Me, and Carrie, are on to you. We are on to you. So, um, <laughs> if you've seen our previous episodes, Carrie and I both have a deep, deep love for our homeboy Nim. And we have a special segment we're going to do later on um, called Winnie Who, Winnie What, where we kind of go into the behind the mask of some of our favorite characters on the show. So we actually know who Nim's actor is, Mr. Uh. And I couldn't help but notice 
this little this gentleman looked awfully familiar. He sounded a little familiar too. So um, could you confirm or deny my question that uh, the the merchant who's buying these orbs from um, from uh, Clive is this Mr. Uh, Thimba? It is. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I mean, he's such a great actor, and I think. Uh, everyone loved him and his work so much for Nim that, you know, we had to have him back because he's just uh, amazing. And, you know, one of the secrets of this show, and I'm glad you're interested in this, is that, yeah, I mean, we do reuse a lot uh, of actors, you know, uh, you know, you fall in love with an actor and no one's seen their real face. So you just bring them back in and make them a different alien. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a few reoccurring characters throughout the season, um, you know, particularly strong comic actors who were really game to try and to totally transform. And some of them, I think, uh, you know, until you see the end credits, you'll never know it's the same actor. Mm -hmm. um, and then some of them, yeah, there's some, some tips and so you can recognize the voices, but yeah, we, we brought them back. <laughs> well, I, we, I would like, I, I think I paused the episode and there's no one in my apartment. I was like, yeah, that's my boy. He's back, he's back. So I was so excited to, to think that I saw him. And then another, just just a random sidebar, another reoccurring character that I love and I was so happy to see again this episode was Admiral, Admiral Raquel, uh, oh, yes. Robin Scott. We did a, uh, I think she was our episode two special segment. She popped in and put Lazaro in his place. And I love the way she <laughs> checks him. She gives him the business and it is so hilarious. So, and of uh, course she's doing two roles as well. Oh, is she? I haven't, I gotta keep my eye out for her for her second role. I did see <laughs> on her IMDb, I saw on her IMDb that it said that she's in four episodes. So, four or five episodes. And so far I've seen her in two. So, uh, Carrie and I have our eyes out for one of our favorites, Miss Robinson, in the next <laughs> coming episodes. We're on to you, we love it. <laughs> it's one of those, um, I think Jem had mentioned she was gonna come back and was like, See if you can guess who she is. Yeah. Uh, well, I was, do, James, do you think Irid is done? She gone. Okay. No. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I'm gonna quote the the great Carrie Lane. Uh, when if it ain't a if it's on body, you may not be dead. So um, mm -hmm. I don't think so. I think that I mean if if that if that exoskeleton suit was strong enough to like stop the republicans like armored ar armored guards i feel like it can handle a couple like laser beams so fingers crossed for Irid. i think i'll give her i'll give her four she's coming back, she's coming back. <laughs> right then otherwise we get two deaths in this episode i know like, i know we can't handle it yeah it's too much <laughs> And then, yeah, that fight scene with the slow-mo was so fun because uh, we were told there's one of those in every episode. So this was another fun one of those. Um, I have a question of it because I remember uh, Tim was saying how you have the actors and everybody in the shot has to hold that position as the camera goes by. Uh, Alita's holding the case up in the air. Mm -hmm. Was it held up by something else? Because that'd be really hard, I think, to hold <laughs> up a box out at an angle for that long. I was like, wait, is something propping it up? Or is there a way that she was able to hold it? Or what? <laughs> yeah, it's a huge production during those mannequin challenges, which uh, which are so fun. And you know, you, Jen probably mentioned when she was on your show that you know she designed those in when she made the movie um, Killer High. She and our, our cinematographer, her cinematographer from Killer High is our cinematographer uh, from Vagrant Queen, Trevor mm -hmm. Calverly. And so they, they worked out that whole method on, on doing those um, scenes. And they're a big production that involves um, like all levels of the crew. So, you know, we design the shot and then um, onset effects comes in and sets up all the things that are going to explode and freeze and move. And we position the actors and everything is supported and designed. And then yeah, there's the complex camera movement that goes through and then multiple shots that are put together um, in post effects as well. So it's a big, uh, a big fun production um, to do those. And uh, I really, I really had a lot of fun. I was kind of glad we didn't have to do two or three per episode though. <laughs> take a really long time <laughs> but uh but they're like they that that cherry on the sunday uh i think on every episode that challenge freeze is always a lot of fun yes 
Um, speaking of kind of the laughter what we're, oh, that we're having and talking about the serious, we have the chat saying, Adam Rodriguez asks, how do you balance humor and darkness in the show? Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's, it's, you have to just, um, you know, give a hat tip to the writers because they designed that structure um, really carefully. And, um, and, you know, there's a pacing that they establish in all of the scripts that allow us to go to those different places um, in the story. And then the key to making it work is really just, you know, a great, a great cast who has that range, who can be incredibly goofy, um, uh, awkward and ridiculous, but also really vulnerable um, as well. And, you know, all of our cast has that range. So uh, it's great because, you know, sometimes you work on productions and I mean, that's, that's a big range to ask for an actor and not everybody can, can achieve all, all those different uh, notes, but, but our cast could. So whenever a scene came up and we did the, the rehearsals, I was always really confident that we'd be able to hit the right tone, that we'd able, be able to you know, either thread in that kind of dark tragedy or you know, just take it really way over the top and be ridiculous. <laughs> well, it definitely blends very fluidly, but it's like real life. You can have moments that are absolutely tragic, but then the next thing it could be something that makes you laugh, so. It's like quarantine right now. I feel like that yeah. every day. <laughs> I was like, you're describing what's happening right now. <laughs> yes. Uh, actually, speaking of funny moment, I do want to give a shout out to the moment where Ame's uh, character backstory came into play, where she's talking to the other employees. Uh, was that improv or scripted out or a little mix of both? A little mix of both. Yeah. You know, there's this ongoing um, theme for Ame and that she really likes to get into character whenever they go on a caper and you know brings all this backstory uh she's very method uh (laughs) those are always uh fun scenes but then of course Alex takes it a little farther just like it really really runs with it so that was uh, a hilarious scene I actually love the scene where she bashes that guard with her yes and uh and knocks him out and uh it was a lot of fun sticking our actor um into the broken computer mainframe with the sparks flying out over right. space. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, uh, he was good about that. We had to like, uh, actually do little things. Yeah, we had to give him ear protection because his head is physically oh. stuck in a broken computer with actual live yeah. sparks exploding around his head and oh, wow. things like that. That's but, a good point. Yeah. yeah. There's things you have to think about. Safety on set is super, <laughs> super important. <laughs> Well, it turned out really cool. So it all worked out for the best. Uh, Was there, oh, then we have the kind of last other important moments in the episode. We have Ame and Alita kind of essentially. I mean, earlier they have a, what would you say to your parents? But now it's even more like, what would you say to them? And they're getting a nice intimate moment. And then we get essentially get a cock block by Isaac. And I'm like, ah! Isaac. My only regret from episode four is I had this beautiful insert close-up of a May and Alita's hands intertwined and it was very sexy and I was like oh I was watching from the monitor and I was like oh it just works out great didn't make it into the final cut but it's there (laughs) it happened it was a beautiful beautiful moment very very sexy it was was sexy it was sweet it was one of those I'm like yeah because I think there was a poll was it, is it too soon or is it right? And I'm like, no, this this feels like a right moment. And it's like, oh. Isaac, it might've happened no. except yeah. for Isaac. <laughs> and then we go on and actually, one of the things I really loved in that uh, sequence is, you know, once they hit the asteroid field, uh, mm-hmm. Tim just went crazy improvising with that duct tape. Oh, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. So he was just out of control, taping himself into the chair. And uh, he was just, it was, um, it was hilarious uh, just to watch, you know, on set, but it, I thought it turned out pretty good in that kind. Well, I was going to say, it's not just Isaac who blocked their kiss. They bump into that in more ways than one, bump into the debris field, and they're pretty much taking a beating, and they crash land on some other random planet. Mm. You know. New planet, new episode. Yeah. Always get to go to fun new places. Yeah. That Actually, that was one of the cool things about this uh, season is, uh, I mean, except for the Winnipeg, uh, you know, which, which is, goes... Uh, from episode to episode, uh, 
you know, every director got to go and create a totally different world because mm. they all, they're always on some, you know, amazing new location. So that was really fun creatively to get to go and, and you know, make that world your own and, and work with the production designer and the cinematographer. Our production designer, um, Barbie Cardasso is just brilliant. He's really, really, really great for bringing interesting locations to life. So yeah, I, the next episode is going to be really, really fun. Uh, James, any other thoughts on the episode? I think we covered mostly everything, and then we'll get into our special segment, unless you had any other moments that stood out to you. Um, no, I think we covered it. I wanted to just make sure I got in my, uh, my Finn being a Thule question. That was, <laughs> that was my heavy hitter right there. <laughs> well done. Uh, thank you. Nice. <laughs> well, we'll save our predictions, but we're going to do mm. our special segment right now. And James, what is it called? It's called Winnie Who, Winnie What? So, and Winnie Who, Winnie What, we break down, as we discussed previously, some of our favorite characters, who they are, and what is behind the mask. And I, before I begin, we have a quick moment of silence. Okay, for our homeboy, Clive, who didn't make it through this episode, but I did some research and I got some information onto the, and to the actor who plays Clive, and he leads a pretty interesting life. So his name is Keanu Lee Hector, as, as Musica said earlier. Uh, if you guys wanna follow him, you can follow him at Keno Lee, K-E-E-N-O-L-E-E, -E -E -E, everywhere I saw. So he is a actor, a writer, a singer, a voice artist, and he's from Cape Town, South Africa. He's done a ton of movies um, and a ton of TV series. A uh, TV series he's done, uh, I think I saw, what was it, what was it? Uh, Bluestone 42, Jamila and Aladdin back in 2016. Some movies, I'm an old school Tremors fan myself. He did a, I think it was like Tremors 6, I think they're up to now. He did a movie called Tremors in 2018 called Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell. Bloodshot 2020, um, it's like an action movie that came out. Um, I remember I saw him in that. that. Yeah, Techie. it came out Mar March 2020 with uh, opposite of Vin Diesel. So he's making some big moves on that front. But my favorite uh, aspect of Mr. Kino that I figured out is that he is, in a, he is in a band called The Black Ties. And this man got pipes. He can sing really, really, really well. So uh, he did an uh, interview with AfroDaddy.com and kind of went into some detail, detail about himself. Uh, he, his focus was an article called Fathers, uh, Fathers in Focus, where he highlights some uh, Afro-Caribbean Afro uh, um, uh, fathers. So he did a, they were spotlighting him. He did a cover of Can't Stop the Feeling on the South African show, uh, talk show called Espresso Talk. And then uh, he answered some questions that I thought were really interesting too about fatherhood. So uh, one of the questions that he, that were, he was asked was, who, uh, who are you and who are your kids and their ages? He says, I'm Kino Lee Hector, a husband and a father of three-year-old Micah. I'm a singer, an actor, a voice artist, and a jingle writer. Didn't know that about him. And then the second question I thought was pretty interesting, it kind of related us back to Vagrant Queen a little bit. They asked him, what is one thing that surprised you about fatherhood? His answer was, quote, I don't really understand the human capacity for love until I met this little guy. My interactions with him are an integral part of my emotional growth. I honestly feel like I wasn't truly adulting until my son arrived. Um, I thought that was such a beautiful quote, and I could definitely see the same similarities with um, with Alita. And we were talking about how she's creating this new family, this new queendom, as I said earlier. Um, I definitely feel that like she's stepping into her adulthood, the adulthood that wasn't quite preordained for her, but she's stepping into it. So I thought that was a pretty pretty cool parallel that I found uh, with Mr. Clive, Mr. Kino, Lee, Hector on this uh, edition of our Winnie Who, Winnie What. Awesome. Kino's amazing. Hey. Yeah, he's dope. He was really, really, he was a great, great comedic um, little aspect to the show, uh, one of many, but he definitely shined, uh, I think, of, of any of our sub-characters uh, in this episode, for sure. I, I remember All his right. introductory scene where he just goes, a leader. <laughs> 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 so great. <laughs> and he's like, you brought me food? Um, yeah. it's a relatable person you know in a way if you get to somebody's heart through their stomach yeah like yes um all right let's get into some predictions, mm. predictions. all right so i noticed a moment when isaac is on the ship after or maybe they haven't gone back on the ship just yet but he looks a little sad 
I think he gave up some information, maybe not on purpose, but I think he gave up some info to Lazaro. Ooh. And he's feeling guilty about it. <laughs> Denisha, do you got to work on that poker face now? Oh, spoilers, like- <laughs> <no spoilers. laughs> I think we I think we're on to something, Carrie. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm like, why does he seem so sad after being rescued? I'm like, oh, that is a guilty face if ever I've seen one. Um, yeah, James, you know, uh, you, you know, I had never even considered that, but you're absolutely right. Because uh, that scene, that torture scene, was very quick. Uh, you know, given given how like how uh, like in depth we've been getting for some of the action scenes we've been get, we've, we've we've seen thus far, that scene in particular was very short. So it leads me to believe that like it was short for a reason, perhaps because mm. we left something out. Because something was a something, something, something happened. So I had never really thought about that. Uh, he did have a bit of sadness, like he was, you know, you know, Alita just saved his life, and he was like, uh, like sad about it. So I wonder why. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna spill any any tea, Mister Niska. He's like, no. nope. <laughs> uh, and then we almost got the kiss in this episode for Ame and Alita. I feel it could go one or two ways of either it's going to maybe happen very soon, hopefully in the next episode of the one thereafter, or unfortunately this could be a thing where it's just a tease and it's, they're going to get other moments and get interrupted, which could be a decent build up to the final kiss, maybe on like the last episode. Uh, um, yeah. I would have I loved to have shot the kiss. And James, what are some of your predictions? So uh, for me, I think mine are very topical, my predictions this week. I don't know where we are, where the sand planet is, with that little rabbit thing with eating, where we landed. Um, <laughs> it leads me to believe that we aren't in Wix. I don't think we are. Because if we are, we're, we got there like with episode four, like something's gonna happen in between now and then. So I, I think that this, this new planet is going to be the, the, our next, as Janiska says, you know, they have these, the, the ability to create these new places and these, and these new creatures. I think that this, this will be another, another, uh, another name on our roster of, of, of locales. I hope that this place has like some more of those like big grunt looking creatures and there's like some type of like another like sand fight or something like that but i love this this new destination that we we uh have embarked upon so i'm excited to see what happens with that um i i think and also i'm thinking that now given our our knowledge of of alita's like open expression about not really not wanting to do this whole queen thing i think that our story may take a turn in a way where we start to really explore what alita wants to do and, and her own womanhood. Like, I feel like a lot of, we're like, we're going to Wix to meet her mom. And like, it seems like it's always about these other peoples and these other goals. And I feel like now we're finally starting to, like, you know, when, when I said earlier, how Alita expressed to half that, mm-hmm. like, I'm not, I'm not about that life. Like, I'm good over here. Let me do me. I'm good. So I think that moving forward, we will figure out what life she is about. So I'm hoping that we get a bit more exploration into um, what life she wants to lead. And if that life is with Ame, we are here for it. <laughs> yes. Um, Denisha, is there anything else you'd like to add from working on this episode and being part of this show, this female dominant and women of color uh, show and being a female director on it as well? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's just such a, a pleasure, um, an honor. Um, I'm a huge sci-fi fan and, um, and my, I guess, you know, biggest concern as a, as a huge fan of sci-fi has been the lack of representation of women. So to, you know, to have a series about a uh, woman lead written and directed by women, you know, created with a female showrunner. Um, it's just it's so great. It's just such a nice contribution, I think, to the sci-fi universe. It's a, you know, a gift for everybody who's been wanting more representation um, in this genre. So uh, it's really great to see the fans getting so excited about it. Um, it's, it's, you know, har- kind of heartbreaking that we can't be doing, you know, live comic cons right now because I know everybody wants to meet the fans, but I know the cast has been really out there doing a lot of outreach to meet everyone in a virtual environment. 
And the thing that will really make me happy is, you know, the first time I see someone cosplay something from Vagrant Queen, then I will just, my life will be complete. (laughs) Yes. Well, look out for us, uh, me and Carrie, Halloween 2020. You know, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Only one to do. It's nice because some of them are just subtle enough that I'm like, oh, that's very attainable. And some of the other ones might take a bit more work. Well, I did. I did see Carrie having those like those the the three prong ears, right? (laughs) I did share the port two three three logo patch on Twitter. So if anybody's feeling like throwing on a yellow or orange jumpsuit, (laughs) oh yeah, apart from two three three. You're set. (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs) Um, And then thank you again so much for joining us, Danishka. It was great talking with you about the episode. Uh, Where can people find you online? And is there anything else you're working on that you would like to promote? Yeah, so I'm um, on Twitter and Instagram as DesterHazy. Come find me. We'll we'll chat about Vagrant Queen anytime. Um, And I have a new movie coming out in a few weeks uh, for Lifetime Channel called um, I Was Lorena Bobbitt. So nice. really excited about that. It's a very, very dark, uh, really Ooh. important story. So it was uh, pretty amazing to shoot. That'll be out soon. Awesome. Well, congratulations. That's exciting. Thank you. Yes. Uh, and James, where can people find you online? You can find me at uh, on Instagram at Terrell James Maple, on Twitter at James Maple Actor, and I also do a lot of coverage for music and politics on AfterBuzz TV, so check out my articles there, and also do all the covers for The Mass Singer as well, so look up for all my predictions on that show as well in the weeks coming up. Very cool. And my name is Carrie Lane. You can find me online at Carrie D. Lane, that's K-A-R-I-D-L-A-N-E. And another sci-fi adjacent show, there's the Westworld After Show on AfterBuzz later on this evening, so you can check it out. That's a really fun sci-fi show. Definitely different tone, but, you know, we still enjoy it. Uh, Thank you so much to everybody who joined us in the live chat with your questions and comments. And if you're watching this later, we love you too. Please comment down below. Give the video a thumbs up. Share it with other people because this is a really fun show to talk about. And just want to spread the Vagrant Queen love and give it and receive it. So thank you again so much for watching and we'll see you next time. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world. And we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.